Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you, Jason Kong, here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing good. Good morning, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, good, Bill. Good. It's good to see you. Uh, it's a fun time of the year with March Madness just around the corner, so I'm excited well, to we're fill into up it. my bracket. We're yep. into it. We're uh, there. The, you know, the big game, final games tonight. That's right. And then uh, then we get to fill out some brackets tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, Bill. And I'm also looking forward to a wonderful program today. And, you know, just before we we got started here, we were talking about estate planning and how, you know, oftentimes we think, well, that's just what you do to take care of stuff after you pass. But there's there's a lot more to it than that. Well, well, no question about it. Uh, Basically, what I wanted to focus on today was life planning versus death planning. And truthfully, most people wrongfully think that estate planning is death planning. I don't want to go see the lawyer because I don't want to think about dying. (laughs) Uh, And that is far from the truth. I mean, death planning, if you really get down to it, is um, a small part of estate planning. Yes, it's part of it, but it's a small part. And it's the least important part, if you, at least it is, for most families. It's, uh, I mean, if you think about it, it's sort of, sort of like the ACC tournament, if, if you will, because each game there is a team that loses. They die. It's over. They go home. They don't stay in it. But the winner has to deal with their injuries. They have to plan for the next one. Uh, and in a, and they're still in the game. Uh, and so regardless of what happens uh, on the court, uh, it's just like when Zion Williamson went out with his famous shoe, um, uh, the, the team was it was still winning. I mean, it actually won some and lost some. And, uh, but at the same time, they had to plan uh, around those issues. And that's a lot what about what estate planning is. It's planning around the issues that actually uh, befall you. Now, truthfully, for most of our uh, teams uh, uh, locally, you know, the ACC tournament uh, is not the end of the game. It's actually NCAA. Uh, and so that's truly when the teams die and go away (laughs) versus continue to plan on. Um, uh, But uh, just uh, for for all of us, uh, the the season ends, you know, and that's one thing that that we cannot avoid. Uh, It's uh, just a fact of life that at some point uh, uh, God's going to take us. But um, death issues are really pretty easy uh, as it relates uh, to things. And and there are a lot of folks out there that think, oh, as far as estate planning, all I need is a will, and I'll just write something up. And typically that leads to the worst results that people can have. Uh, there's uh, all sorts of bad information out there as it relates to how to do your own will. Uh, And about nine times out of 10, people who try to do it on their own uh, get it wrong. But I I mean, if you think about it, um, if you don't have a will, 
what's the worst thing that happens? Well, the worst thing that happens is the state has a will for you. It's called intestacy. And so your estate will be distributed whether you have a will or not. Now, if you want to make sure that your um, uh, ideas, your, in other words, what you want actually happens and your property goes to the, uh, the, your spouse or the, your children or the people that you want it to go to or your charities, then you have to have a planning document, whether it's a will or a trust, and either document will work to make hopefully make sure that what you want to happen to your estate actually happens. Uh, now, other and there there are good reasons for having those documents in place, other than just making sure your property goes where you want it to go upon your death. Um, there are uh, reasons for some families where they need to worry about a state tax. That's a death tax. Uh, and there are uh, easy ways, at least for lawyers who understand uh, the law, to uh, create a plan where your children don't have to worry about paying death tax, whether it's called an um, estate tax or inheritance tax. Uh, and uh, for us uh, in North Carolina, uh, we don't have an inheritance tax anymore, uh, but there is a federal estate tax, and for those families that have to worry about it, uh, a good will or trust can avoid that, that tax 99.99% of the time without uh, any uh, problem whatsoever. Uh, and so th that's important, and it's also important if you have any kind of family issues uh, that go beyond here's, my, here's the property, enjoy, because oftentimes uh, you want, you might have a special needs child that can't actually accept property. Uh, if, if you left property to a special needs child, it would take them off of their Medicaid, which they desperately need. Uh, and, and so there are considerations like that uh, that are important. Or it may be that you have small children involved where they shouldn't uh, be able to get their property when they turn 18. Uh, you know, if, if you think about your, your children, uh, are they mature at 18? I don't know any 18-year-old that I would trust with a large amount of money, that's for sure. So there are some considerations like that that are important. Now, what about um, your funeral arrangements? You know, some folks think, well, I want to make sure that my will says, I, I want to tell my family how to deal with my body and how, what kind of funeral arrangements I want to make. Well, folks, that is the wrong document to think about funeral arrangements. It's not in your will because... Most families don't even look at your will for a couple weeks uh, after you die because that's about the time you get the death certificate in and, and uh, you start making legal arrangements at that point. But not, I mean, the bottom line is whatever funerals uh, has already taken place by the time people look at your will. That's not the place to have those instructions. Actually, the instructions need to go to your health care agent because it is your health care agent under your health care power of attorney 
that actually has the legal right and responsibility to tell uh, the hospital or whoever has your body what to do with your body. It's that person that has the legal authority uh, to take care of of things uh, when you die. And that's one of the exceptions to the law because uh, typically upon your death, at that moment in time, your powers of attorney become void. In other words, they're no good anymore. And so if you're an agent, you've lost your authority. And there's only one exception, and that's to the health care power of attorney. That agent has the right to deal with your dead body. And so that's important. Um, And so obviously to the degree that you have specific ideas about how you want Um, your funeral to be handled, um, it's important to leave those instructions to your family to make sure uh, they know how to do it. It's it's really helpful for a lot of folks um, to have prepaid their funeral, and you can do that uh, through insurance. You can have an irrevocable funeral contract or funeral trust through an insurance company, uh, and there's several out there that that do that, um, uh, and or you can go to a funeral home, funeral parlor. Uh, they typically uh, uh, sell insurance for the same purpose, same kind of, of thing. So that's important for folks to have, and having it prepaid pretty much dictates what's going to happen. Uh, when uh, you, you just need to make sure that, that your health care agent takes you to that same funeral home <laughs> so those arrangements can be made. Uh, also, in my experience, um, uh, it's really, really helpful if, um, particularly for folks of faith, that they write down how they want their arrangements, where do they want the service, Where, who do they want presiding, what scriptures are important to you, what hymns are important to you. Because if you write that down, then your family will know that that's what was important to you. If you don't write it down, then the family has to figure it out, and it's very, very difficult for most families to do that. Um, so that's that's a real blessing when someone has done that uh, for their family. It's a gift that you can give your family to have that. And I know we have to take a break, and but I, I do want to uh, talk about something that a client um, taught me just recently, and I'd never heard of it before. Have you ever heard of a, a green funeral? Uh, I'm not familiar with that <laughs> well, term. We'll talk about that when we come back. A green funeral. I'm intrigued, Bill. I'm looking forward to what that is. And stick around. We're going to go over that in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Are listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're having a, a good program so far. We're talking about estate planning and the elements of it, the elements of death planning and the elements of life planning, which we're going to get to a little bit later. But 
Just before the break, you you gave me another one of your famous quizzes, and you asked me what a green funeral is, and Bill, I have no idea what that is. Well, truthfully, I had no I mean, I'd never heard of it myself. And then I had a client come in uh, the other day, uh, and we were we were talking about life and death issues and planning, and, and she said, well, I want a green funeral. And I was going, okay, tell me about that. <laughs> so, well, the first thing she said, uh, I, I got, and it was uh, like, well, if I die young, I want to donate my body uh, to science. And I said, okay, no, no problem there. However, uh, you do know that you have to uh, prearrange that. In other words, it's a contract with a medical school to accept your body and come get you and take you, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and they have to accept you. So you can't just at the last minute say, oh, by the way, give my body to science. That does not work. So if you're interested in that, and, and there are a number of people who like the concept uh, because their body is uh, used for a useful purpose, uh, and it's free. In other words, it has no cost to the family at your death if your body is accepted. And um, now I had a, another client who said, I want to give my body to Campbell University. And I was thinking to myself, I'm not aware that Campbell University has a med school. Okay, they have a law school. Uh, they have a lot of other schools, and they, they, it's a wonderful university uh, in this area. However, you can't just give your body to a university thinking that they can use your body. I thought that I mean, was a new way to pay off student <laughs> debt. I, was, I wasn't sure, Bill. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, now, I, I could be wrong about this, but the only places that I am aware of in this area that you can make these arrangements with would be the three medical schools, uh, and that would be Duke Medical uh, School. Uh, the University of North Carolina uh, at Chapel Hill has a medical school, uh, and you have the East Carolina University Medical School. And so you have three that are relatively local, um, uh, and any one of the three, uh, you can make arrangements to donate your body. But... You have to do it in advance. There are contracts and all of that good stuff uh, that are signed where they accept. You know, they basically, okay, uh, you offer your body to them, and if they accept your body uh, in advance and say, yes, we will take your body, uh, and you have it in writing, uh, then you're good to go. Upon your death, they'll come get your body. And now, just recently, my... My clients uh, said, okay, I, I get that, but I know that if I get too old, they won't be interested in my body. And truthfully, I'm not sure whether that's true or not, um, that, because, you know, I don't ha uh, plan to do that myself. So, um, uh, you know, I'm not as familiar, but I, I do know that they're contracts. But, okay, let's say you're 100 years old and the the – uh, school's not interested in, in your uh, body anymore. Uh, I sort of think they'd still be interested, but maybe not. Um, uh, but anyway, this is when she said, well, if, if I'm in that situation, I want to be, I want a green burial. 
And I was going, oh, does that mean you want to be cremated? No. <laughs> it means that um, uh, I want them, I, I don't want uh, a funeral home to embalm my body. I just want them to put me in a biodegradable wooden box and, and bury me. Now, you might think that you can't do that. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Federal Trade Commission and the FTC is actually has uh, rules governing funeral homes and funeral directors and what you can do and what you can't do. And you can absolutely do that. You do not have to be embalmed. And uh, there are s some cemeteries that require you to have a vault and others that don't. And obviously, if you want a green funeral where, you know, my dad always said, well, just put me in a pine box. <laughs> but this is a little different. This is where you're not embalmed. Your body is simply placed in a, uh, a wooden box and buried without a, a vault because um, uh, obviously over time it will go away. That's what a green uh, funeral is. And there are some, but not all, cemeteries that will accept a body uh, that way. In other words, no vault, that sort of thing. But then there are other cemeteries that require a vault and a casket. And um, Now, I've never seen a situation where a cemetery would not take cremated remains. And so a lot of, um, a lot of folks today are choosing cremation. And then, obviously, it's real easy for the family to go out to the cemetery with a shovel and simply dig a, a very shallow hole and put, put the remains there and have a marker. And then, of course, there are others that uh, have, might or might not have a marker, uh, but they, you know, they take their uh, ashes and have them spread in, in a place that was important to them during their lifetime. So there are a lot of different uh, mechanisms uh, for doing that. Um, but no, no matter what methodology it's chosen, it's important for that methodology to be communicated to your family and particularly to your health care agent who has the responsibility for your remains upon your death. That is the key. So it is your health care agent who is the one who takes on that responsibility. So that plus um, having some notes on what kind of service uh, might be important to you is important. Now, uh, my experience is men typically ignore what I'm saying, and the women take it to heart. <laughs> so, ladies out there, uh, this is where you might want to talk uh, to your husbands uh, about this and write it down for them so that uh, help them with it uh, so that uh, you'll have something for your family because it really does make a difference to your children and grandchildren uh, when you die. Uh, it makes things so much better in terms of, of the service um, of, of remembrance. It makes it's, – it's just important uh, as it relates to that. So I hope that that's been helpful. But I know we have to take another break, but uh, when we come back, I want to talk about 
what's really important in terms of estate planning, and that has to do with life planning. And life planning is legal planning, but it's also financial planning. It, it comes together. Just like in death, it's also a matter of legal documents and financial planning that comes together to make your plan work. They have to come together. And life planning is that way. We will go over those elements of life planning right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us. We are talking about estate planning and how planning for death and planning for life are both very important when it comes to making sure that you have the right asset protection plan. And Bill, we spent the first couple segments going over death planning, and now we're going to transition here into life planning. Absolutely. Uh, and, and remembering that it's a combination of financial planning as well as um, uh, legal documents. Uh, they, they come together and they're very important. Well, you know, when folks approach retirement, you know, and a lot of folks, uh, there are a lot of folks out there that are just tired of doing what they're doing. Uh, it's like, oh, I can't wait until I retire. I just, I'm tired of this job, or I hate my job, or it can be even, I love my job, but they're getting rid of me. <laughs> you know, hopefully it's the latter. Uh, uh, the best situation is where you can continue to work as long as you, you want, and nobody's going to let you go. Um, that's that's the the good news. But the thing about it is, approaching retirement is key. And there are a lot of decisions that have to be made in approaching retirement, and this is one of the most important times for planning. Uh, because and, and most people look at retirement in their early 60s. In other words, they start planning in their early 60s. They know that Medi- Medicare comes around at age 65, that Social Security can uh, uh, come into play anytime after 62. Uh, and, of course, people have heard me say, don't take Social Security early unless you know you're going to die soon or you're just broke. Uh, but the, you have Social Security elections to make, Medicare elections to make, or health, other health issues, uh, supplemental insurance elections to make. But uh, and financial decisions to make in terms of um, uh, if you uh, have a pension, whether you take a reduction in the pension so there's a, 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 um, a spousal benefit upon your death and things like that. Sometimes it's good to make those elections. Sometimes there's alternative methods that are really important. But whether it's Social Security elections, pension elections, Medicare elections, whatever they are, they're all really important uh, for the many years that you're going to live past uh, your retirement date. But the key, from my perspective, is to have a plan when you retire. Not It's not just all about elections. 
hopefully uh, you've had some money put aside, uh, but it's what am I going to do in retirement? The worst thing you can do is not have a plan and sit around as a couch potato all day watching TV. Uh, you know, that's, that's a uh, miserable way to retire and typically die early because, you know, you need to get out there and do stuff. Um, and it's really important. I, I, I'll never forget about 12 years ago when I was in my 50s, later 50s, um, we were uh, with friends at a, um, a weekend uh, seafood festival, you know, I love those, uh, down at Fort Fisher. And I had a good friend. His name was Hoot, perf- perfect name for, for my friend, And uh, who said uh, to me, he said, Bill, you know, we're getting to the age where if we want to do something, we better by damn do it. <laughs> and and what, he really, what he was saying was so true. It was like, well, we are getting older, and if I have a bucket list, I better start doing it because if I wait around, I won't have time to do any of that stuff. And so from my perspective, I think it's really important for folks to enjoy life and to uh, be not just to be with their families but to do the things that they've always wanted to do and a lot of it can be done before you retire you know and it's it's take some nice trips and and you have options you know it's the kind of thing where if you can afford the high end great but if you can't you can it, it's the kind of thing when like if you want to go on a cruise you can go with, uh, you know, one of the suites or the uh, upper class things, but you don't have to. You can go with an inside cabin and it's dirt cheap. And so what I'm getting at, but you can still go on those nice trips and you can, you know, whatever's on your bucket list, you should start marking it off and, and doing those things while you're in good health and you can enjoy each other. And you can do those kinds of things. That has nothing to do with what your legal documents are. has a lot to do with uh, having good financial planning during your lifetime so that you have some resources for that and you're not broke when you come back from vacation. <laughs> That's an important thing. Um, but it is important uh, as, as it's not, in other words, what I'm saying is life isn't all about savings. It's not all about sticking stuff back for your children. It's about uh, having the resources for yourself and your spouse to, to enjoy uh, your later years. And there are lots of good ways to do that. Okay, so with that said, Uh, There are legal documents that are really important for life planning. So if you think about it, what's more important to you, your life or your death? Well, to me, that's a no-brainer. It's your life, okay? So what do you need? You need just-in-case documents, and these are critical. The first one is your general durable power of attorney. And people are probably, I mean, I have to repeat myself uh, uh, frequently, but this is the most important document that you will have. Uh, And I, in almost, not every, but almost every case, recommend an advanced general durable power of attorney. And very few people get those, which is a, a tragedy as far as I'm concerned. 
And it's because most estate planners, and I'm talking attorneys here, don't recognize the need for them and and then just give people simple powers of attorney. And then they the folks go off thinking that what they have is adequate for uh, the rest of their life. And it's not. As, as folks uh, approach retirement and they're in retirement, they truly need advanced, gen- advanced powers of attorney that have very, very broad powers for your agent. Um, now, you also need, other than that, and I'm going to come back to that because there's some really important things about how to choose an agent. But you need a health care power of attorney. That's so when – I mean, folks who are young, middle-aged, or old need health care powers of attorney. Why? Because there will be times in our lives when we are not capable of communicating with our doctor. I mean, just think of folks who've been in surgery – well, surgery always has risks, and if they put you to sleep, you can't communicate. So if a problem does arise, someone needs your authority to make healthcare decisions on your behalf. Now, hopefully, you don't have an emergency, but any doctor will tell you, yes, there's a percentage time where folks will have emergencies while they're in surgery, and oftentimes it can be life-threatening. Um, and so there needs to be a healthcare agent appointed to help the doctor know what to do under circumstances. You need an advance directive for natural death. A lot of folks know this as a living will. Um, some states call it living will. Some uh, North Carolina calls it an advance directive for natural death. About half the states call it one. Half the other states call it the other. But it's pretty much the same document or very similar from state to state. This should be a separate document from your health care power of attorney because this is a directive to your doctor. But it's a very, very limited document. And a lot of folks think that it's uh, a broad-based document. People get it confused with a DNR, which is a do not resuscitate order, which is a very broad-based medical order. It's not a legal document, and we can talk about that too. But the advanced directive for natural death is appropriate for young people as well as middle-aged and old people too. Uh, As you get older, it becomes even more important because uh, you hope you're not a young person that has to face that kind of crisis, but it's so limited in scope. Um, it's, it, it only involves truly dire, hopeless situations where uh, anyone in their right mind would say, yes, it's time to pull the plug under those circumstances. And then uh, federal law requires you to have a medical release that is HIPAA compliant. So if you want your family and your agents to be able to talk to your doctors and re- receive private health care information on your behalf, which your health care agent needs desperately, uh, then you have to sign a medical release uh, that complies with the federal HIPAA laws, and that's really important. And then there's one last document that we think is important, too, and that's a digital release because it's harder and harder to put your affairs in order for someone who doesn't have all your digital information because so much is stored online now. And typically, 
uh, online applications, banks, and otherwise uh, limit the access to those accounts to you alone. And so uh, giving someone else the authority legally uh, can be extremely helpful because there are going to be lots of roadblocks uh, to someone else act, uh, legally accessing uh, your information that's online. So all of those life documents are extremely important. Some of them are helpful in death as well, but they're more important for your lifetime. And so all of those ancillary documents, once you get past your will or your trust, everything else is about how to take care of you uh, in your lifetime and extremely important to people. Yeah, having those documents in sync is key. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. To asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. We're talking about estate planning and how there are elements of death planning and elements of life planning in this bill. And we were just sort of broadly going over the documents on the elements of life planning when it comes to estate well, planning. Well, that's the most important part about estate planning is life planning. Uh, and that's it, that's what it's all about to make your life better, uh, and it, it's it's just like uh, with financial uh, plans when when folks are older and they they they're going through their nest egg. In other words, they need uh, their nest egg to supplement uh, what social security or other income they have, and it's like, well, should I go ahead and buy? Um, a, a funeral plan? Should I go ahead and buy this or that? And typically, I will say n- no, not while uh, you're living and need the, that money for uh, life issues. Because again, uh, death issues will take care of themselves one way or the other, but life issues are more complex. And so uh, a big part of it is preserving your money right up until the end for those life issues. Now, that doesn't mean not to go ahead and have your funeral plan planned out so that family knows what you want. And now if there's not enough money for it, you may not get what you hoped for. But but if you – for most families, that, that will work. Um, but all of these, of all of these ancillary documents, by far the most important one, as far as I'm concerned, from a legal perspective, is your general durable power of attorney. And as I said, I recommend one that's very advanced, very uh, broad, power-based uh, document. So, uh, uh, so most seniors need their documents reviewed and redone when they retire. Uh, and, of course, it should be reviewed every few years after that as well, and for some folks more often than that. But with that said, how important is the person you choose as your agent? Well, that's what it's all about. If you do the document, you get to pick your agent. And the person that that should be your agent may not be the person who gets to be your agent if you don't do the document and have it filled out. 
Now, if you don't fill out these, sign these documents that we talked about, then if you have an issue, then your family is relegated to having a guardianship. That's a bad result. Guardianship is expensive. It requires accountings. You have to go to court every year and tell the the court what you've done, how much money you've brought in and what's been spent, and you have to account for every penny that comes in and goes out, and you have to do it right. And uh, the bottom line is a court uh, gets to decide how you spend your money uh, if there's any question about taking care of you. That's not good. Not when you have the ability to avoid it by signing a really good general durable power of attorney. And now, who do you pick? Well, for most folks, uh, if they've been married many, many years and have a good relationship with their spouse, uh, then your spouse being your primary agent is what most people do, and that makes a lot of sense, okay? Uh, particularly if you trust your spouse to do what you would if what you would want, because the primary fiduciary rule in North Carolina is your uh, agent should always do make a decision consistent with what decision you would make. And the secondary fiduciary rule is if you're not, uh, if you don't know what the person would do under the circumstances, then the fiduciary rule is to do what's in your best interest. So, but the, uh, let's say that you, this is a second marriage or a third marriage and you have children by a previous marriage, should you just willy-nilly appoint your spouse? Well, if it's been a short-term marriage, the answer may be no. It may be that the spouse could be one of two agents. Maybe you want to appoint your spouse with one of your children as a co-agents where they have to work together. They have to make mutually uh, agreeable decisions for your care and how your money is spent and, and the like. Um, now, one reason I like revocable trust planning is that trust planning allows you to have a disability plan and to tell your family how to spend your money on your care. And it gives them a fiduciary duty to spend your money the way you've directed in your trust. You can't do that with power of attorney. Power of attorney gives someone the authority to spend your money, but it doesn't give them any direction on how to do that. Um, but you always want to appoint someone who is absolutely trustworthy, no question about it. And if you don't have somebody like that, then you, uh, I mean, someone that you absolutely trust with, uh, with every breath you take, if you don't have that, then you need to make alternate arrangements. And that might be appointing two people to act together as co-agents. That can be helpful. Um, but you have to realize that particularly with an advanced power of attorney, you're giving uh, folks the ability to transfer your property, to change your beneficiary designations, to give, give property away or to put it into a trust uh, and the like. And that can be um, significant. But what's the advantage of that? Well, most of my clients, if not all of my clients, want two things. They want 
independence as long as possible, and they want control of their resources as long as possible. Well, if you have an advanced general durable power of attorney, because you have a trustworthy person, that allows you to keep your independence and control of your resources as long as possible, up until your death at times. But if you don't have those, then you end up with a different result. And and if you don't have a trustworthy situation, uh, you may not be able to protect your assets uh, without doing irrevocable trust years in advance and some crazy things like that that I don't like to do. But having these the right kind of documents in place is what it's all about to give you independence and control for as long as possible. And that's what's so key to, to people as far as I'm concerned. It's what's important to me, and it's what is important to all of my clients. Yeah, that's the recipe for success. And if you need help in that regard, maybe you have some documents that you would like to review, or maybe you don't have any and you want to get some, I highly recommend that you get in contact with Bill. You can do that by going online to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. You can also schedule an appointment to speak with Bill by calling 919-256-7000, 2567000. A quick break and back with more of asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're running short on time here, but I know you've got a final thought for us. Well, if you are a, a loved one's appointed agent or power of attorney, healthcare agent, general durable power of attorney, oftentimes you have to sign documents. And it might be you're signing your loved one into a assisted living home or nursing home or the hospital, or you're signing other types of contracts or deeds on your loved one's behalf. Well, never ever simply just sign your name and assume that that will be treated as an agency. You always sign your loved one's name first and then put by and then sign your name. And after your name, you put agent or POA, you know, power of attorney. Uh, Then you're clearly signing each thing as the agent for your loved one. And particularly nursing homes and assisted living homes, they they like you to sign where it says responsible party, and it should be your loved one, not you personally. But they want you to sign the other way, so they don't tell you how to sign it. So it's really important that you always sign as the agent by signing your loved one's name first and then by, then you can sign your name as agent or POA. 
so important to folks, and so many folks get that wrong. That's a great tip, Bill. And if you want more tips from Bill, you can go to WGALaw.com. You can also check out Bill's Asset Protection Today podcast. You can find that on his website or in the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store, Stitcher, Spotify. You can find it everywhere. It's the Asset Protection Today podcast. Bill has great short little tips that you can listen to at your own convenience and get wonderful information like those tips that we have shared today. We are out of time, but I want to thank you very much for listening and encourage you to join us again next Saturday at 11 for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great weekend.